0: My mum was never supportive on the drum front. She used to (laughs) always say, this was a running saying, I absolutely hate banging in a weird Irish accent. I hate banging. So I had to just find my own journey. I knew I should play the
1: drums. Greetings and salutations to all of you goffs listening to this podcast. It is indeed time for the eighth instalment of the Back in the Band podcast, a show that takes us back to a time when we fantasised about living like a rock god. Alas, the bitter truth is that we now find ourselves listening to P.O.D. on Spotify and wondering if we are indeed still the youth of the nation.
2: Stu and I were in a band together back in high school, and while 80% of the time we humiliated ourselves playing corn covers to Year 8 kids, we realised recently that it was actually a very character-building experience. So we wanted to speak to others about their experiences and find out how they muddled their way through band life. So let's go back to a time when it was perfectly acceptable to wear beaded necklaces from Berlin menswear, oversized baggy jeans from the market and your mum's eyeliner. Episode 8, let's go. Episode 8 then, yeah what, we're nearing the end of season 1. Yeah, we're lining up some big plans for the last few, right too. I think so. Yeah, I'd like to think so.
1: We're going to be bringing on a couple of guests after today's episode who we
2: actually used to be in bands with ourselves.
1: So chances are this is all going to get very private and in-jokey more than it already has been. So sorry about that up front. But I kind of like those, those in-jokes and shared experiences and brotherhood of men, right? That's what being in a band was all about. I think anyone who's in a band and actually took it seriously, way too seriously as we all did, can kind of get that. And even Bruce, who completely forgot every single part of his lyrics, could even probably get that
2: right. I remember taking it seriously at the time, also thinking, I'm really shit, but I'm not getting any better either. (laughs) It It was like a real struggle, but that's what it's all about. I wanted to talk to you as well about my brother's wedding band, mate. It wasn't like, it was not controversial. It was all just standards. Every single wedding classic song you could think of was played. You know, a few of us chose the tunes and, you know, I was thinking about the wedding band a bit because it always raises some debate and I needed to get your thoughts on the correct order. For a wedding band set list, because they went in pretty hard with the indie bangers early on. Chelsea Dagger was played like five minutes in when there's like still kids on the dance floor, and you're a bit like, whoa, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know what I mean? Bit, bit hardcore. And I was, everyone was getting pretty into it. Few of the lads got involved, but when you're like Nan's still around, she's not gone to bed yet or anything. You're thinking, all right, it's getting a bit rowdy. My nan's brother apparently complained directly to the band when they went on their first break at nine o'clock or something. He was like, "You need to calm down, and you need to stop playing all these fast-paced tracks or something." The man's in like his <laughs> late 60s. he's like in his late sixties or something. And I was like, I sort of get his point, but I'm like, they've been told what to play. What the fuck? So did they,
1: did they change their set based on what you said, or he just turned to fuck off?
2: I think Scott gave them a bunch of songs, and they chose the order to play them in. Whereas I was kind of getting honest. You a bit, if I was a wedding band. How would you handle it? Because do you want to get the oldies up first and then get them off to bed, get the rowdy songs on <laughs> the end? Like, what what's your order? You know, what's the right, what's the correct approach? Start with Boogie Wonderland and then sort of yeah, like come to exactly. Get Brown Eyed yeah. Girl on and then go to bed.
1: But this is kind of the point, right? Like, you're always going to get some dickhead who comes up and is like, no, this is what you should be playing and I want you to play it. And it's like, well, no, it's not your wedding. And going back to the point of being in a band, it was like, look, this is for me and for me only and my mates. So to be honest, yeah. if you don't want to listen to Dig at eight o'clock in the morning on a Thursday in a school assembly, I don't care. You're going to have to because this is You're what we have doing. to do. It. It's what we signed up for. Yeah. Did he get more annoyed when they just kept playing rowdy tracks?
2: I think he tailed off reasonably early. I think he came at ten o'clock when, like, during the second set, he was like, I'm "Gonna go now." I think he drove anyway. But ultimately, I didn't give a shit. I was absolutely off my head, and I could barely remember the band anyway. So it was, as far as I'm concerned, I didn't know any about this till the morning. I was like it's been a good night standard for me i was like this is standard stuff
1: well speaking of wedding plans our next guest actually has a wedding that he's planning
2: should we bring him in the room let's do this let's introduce our guest for the day So today's guest is Martin Gibbons, Stu and I met Martin around the year 2001 when he joined our high school. We became pretty good mates and to paint a picture, around this time we were still listening to a fair bit of Craig David, Lo, Artful Dodger and other UK garage classics on our Sony CD Walkmans. But as the new metal scene started finding its way into Bedfordshire, Martin came with me and a couple of other mates to our first proper gig, Limp Biscuit and Godsmack doing the Anger Management Tour at Wembley Arena in 2001. Obviously, at 14 years old, our anger really did need managing. But Martin was always a reliable lad to take down to London for a few other gigs. Martin was always a supporter of our awful band, and by supporter I mean he didn't take the piss out of us too much. And then we remembered recently that he did actually start to play the drums and was in one or two bands himself. So we got back in touch and we wanted to hear more. So uh, yeah, welcome Martin. How are you, sir? Hello. (laughs) Yeah, I'm great. I'm pretty sure we survived a uh, a wall of death together, uh, a Chimera gig. You can correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, my Um, shoulder
0: didn't. (laughs) (laughs) I swear to God, I've still got, whenever I launch a tennis ball now, I've still got problems. But anyway, I tried to clothesline (laughs) someone.
2: Okay, I survived it. You had problems. How was the gym this morning? Because this is
1: going to take us straight to the first question. You you, you're you're rocking out to rock and metal at eight o'clock in the morning these days.
0: Well, you know what? It's seasonal with the gym and how was it? It was pretty intense, let me tell (laughs) you. But now how was it? With the gym, seasonal. In the winter it's metal mania. And then it slowly filters into hip hop and house in the summer and then back to chimera in the winter, yeah.
1: (laughs) So you find yourself still and that's probably generally in life, right? You're still digging limp biscuit from Yeah, I love it. So obviously we started out in school with that new metal thing. So uh, tell us about your sort of musical journey, how you started playing the drums and was it the drums that you started with first or were you playing anything else?
0: Yeah, before? yeah. Musical journey. Man, I've always been obsessed with music. Even now, like to this day, in my head, like I fit kitchens now and I'm a carpenter and stuff, but in my head I'm like, I'm still going to make it one day let me tell you, one day. <laughs> you know, I just dream big and I've always had that mentality but when I was a kid, man, I used to just be obsessed with music. And I remember my sister borrowed the Nevermind album from one of her friends when I lived in London. I was only probably like 11 at the time. And that, like I was just, before that, it was like hip hop and pop, just like any young kid. I remember I used to love the Backstreet Boys. <laughs> but then at the same time, I absolutely <laughs> loved Puff Daddy, which she was called that at that time, Mace and Buster Rhymes. So I yeah. liked cool music and I also liked embarrassing music. And then she led me, never mind. And um, that was it. I got into guitar music from then and the drums on that. I think actually, even when I had my band, heavily influenced. I'm not like one of these people who think Dave Grohl's a god or anything like that. But without a doubt, he's been a massive influence on my drums and how I got into heavier stuff and yada yada.
1: And was that, so was it probably that Nirvana album that you were like, I want to play the drums? Or was it, did you know someone that had a drum kit or what was that? You know what, with me and the drums, my
0: mum was never supportive on the drum front. She wasn't unsupportive. (laughs) She wasn't telling me, don't do it. Well, yeah. No, maybe she was, you know. She actually (laughs) used to always say, uh, this was a running saying, I absolutely hate banging in her weird Irish accent. I hate banging. She loves music. She always played Motown and like soul. And that's what I originally loved first. But she used to say she hated banging. So I had to just find my own journey. I knew I should play the drums. I was always tapping all the time to everything. Who told you? Well, I like, had one lesson at school. The teacher was just so boring. He was into jazz drumming. That mm. didn't make him boring. He was boring.
2: <laughs> so like, I had one
0: lesson and he taught me the, you know, the one, two, three, four. From that then, I just figured it all out myself. It just took years of annoying my mum, the neighbours, and I had a small... Electric drum kit. It's funny, you know, like you talk about parents being supportive and stuff like that. I said to my mum, Mum, whatever you do for Christmas, yeah, if you're gonna get me a drum kit, because I had a feeling she's dodgy with Christmas presents. As if you're gonna get me a drum kit, get me a full size electric drum kit, because you need to, your arms need to move the perfect length, or get me a real drum kit. Don't get anything else. And she's gone, yeah. Yeah, sure. yeah, 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 I know what you want. She got me the exact thing I didn't ask for. She got me a little mini one from Argos. It's like, oh man, it was like a tray and it had touch sensitive pads on. But now I taught myself the drums on it. And ironically, I bought a second one. I wore that one out and I bought a second one. And I just taught myself the drums through playing along to CDs. I had rhythm. I could always dance a bit. But so <laughs> yeah. I taught myself.
1: That's cool, man. I remember John had that similar sort of electric, like a tray thing. And I, it wasn't yeah. that the crash was in the middle. Was... Yeah, the hi-hat
0: was in the middle and the two oh, crashes shit. were up the top. Shit. Yeah, oh God. <laughs> Yeah, but you know what's cool about that? Nothing. Double bass pedals are expensive. Sorry, I know it's annoying. Double <laughs> bass pedals are expensive and you could turn the hi-hat touch pad to blue tack to the floor. You could assign a bass pedal to that. So I had a double bass pedal. So it was pretty <laughs> cool. Sick. <laughs>
1: So yeah. tell us then that obviously it was you getting into playing and you definitely told us a story the other day that you had a band but didn't really have a band in school whilst we were in a shit band. Tell us a bit about that. Yeah, it's funny, like certain things
0: just go out of your memory, but they're in there. Because you guys were the ones who reminded me when you said you're in a band with Heron. I was like, was I? <laughs> and then I remembered. Yeah, yeah. I remember we even come up with a name. Do you know what the name was? No yes help oh, yes because yeah, we were thinking about
1: that like, the other day and i couldn't remember for shit that's so good
2: spell how blizzard like how am I'm i imagining it B-L-I-S-M.
0: b-l-i-s-m oh yeah I was, there was definitely a z in there i was expecting b-l-i-s-m, B-L-I-S-M. yeah yeah a terrible name we did one band practice because I, I remember having one drum lesson and i could play just play that basic beat and then Heron was not actually bad on guitar yeah we had one band practice and that was it. <laughs> but we were a band. We had artwork, everything, you know, like just <laughs> school sort of shit. And then you said also you started another band as well with Liam. No, he was a low-key member of Blizzom.
2: Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Was it, Liam was Apple. on bass, was he, just vibing?
0: L was for, the L in Blizzom was for Liam, the M was for Martin, and the S was for Stephen Herring. Who I don't know, who the hell was I and B? I don't <laughs> think we had any other members. You make any sense. Yeah, I know it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, yeah. But then after school is when I just, man, I just ploughed through bands. I was so many bands after school.
1: What were you doing? And obviously Agile Beast, know of, but like the other ones you were in, what kind of stuff was that?
0: So I got introduced to like another school and all of that school were into Oasis and they were on the indie vibe. And I've never been an Oasis fan. I have always found them just so basic, but naturally those guys turned me onto indie. I got into indie music and then when Arctic Monkeys and a few other bands come out. They were creative. And then I just got into it and then I got into some indie bands and was playing the usual. Were you just doing covers? Yeah, just covers. We do pubs and stuff? Or... And I still remember our first gig ever, we played a pub. And you think afterwards, you think, oh man, I've had a... I've always had trouble pulling girls. Like, yeah, why? <laughs> you think after this gig, it's going to be it. And you come off stage and if anything, it's embarrassing that you just performed <laughs> a load of covers. Yeah. <laughs> and then from then, I just... Used to get asked to be in bands and then I'd try them out. And I was in one band actually. This is all in the space of a year. And our first single was called Co Cocaine. Oh, of my it was. God, man. <laughs> yeah, cliche as hell. Do you know why I left the band? Go on. I left the band because we were doing a band practice once. And I've always been like self aware about what's cheesy and embarrassing. And I didn't really like our music. And I remember as we kicked into our song, the lead singer of the band, he's gone like that. As hard as he could, punched the wall and pretended to be angry. <laughs> and I was like, oh, "I'm out. <laughs> know, this is embarrassing." Just because I don't do drugs. Wow. Because he coped our practice. Yeah. 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 It would have. You would have fought that, but no one done drugs in the band. But our song was called "Cocaine." Yeah. Actually, Punching not a bad wall.
2: song, but a bit punchy. <laughs> where do we want to focus? Then where do you spend most of your time? We're hearing a bit about Agile Beasts. Is that where we want to delve into a little bit deeper? Yeah. Is that where you spend most of your time?
0: Yeah, that was when the only solid memories that have stuck with me was Agile Beast, because that was the only time we took it serious sort of thing. We had three different names. We started off with Agile Beast, and that was the one that we actually got most notoriety from. Randomly, I never really liked the name. Where'd it come from? The worst thing about it was, is we were kind of Arctic Monkeys mixed with the streets, like ripoffs. I didn't realise until Paul had picked our name that Agile Beast is the nickname for the Arctic Monkeys drummer. Oh man, it was just so cliché. And yeah, then ironically, babe. their first album, one of our first gigs, we supported. There's a guy on the front of their album smoking a cigarette. We actually supported his band, and I was just felt so embarrassed because like, it's like up next, to Agile beasts, and he's like best yeah. mates with the Arctur Monkeys. Oh man! Did you
2: tour around Bedford or Bedfordshire or more further?
0: Yeah, I don't. It's funny when you're in a band, you think... You don't know how to make it, so you you think what what we have to do is rehearse loads in the week and always gig like quantity over actual quality, and we just wasted so much time doing the worst gigs ever around Bedford, London, Luton, but mainly London. We would travel to London all the time to do these gigs. No one's there. I remember we turned up to one gig and literally no one was there. The only person <laughs> there was the sound guy who booked you, and that pardon. was all night so we just um we just well yeah fuck it let's just get drunk and just play the gig and ironically those crap gigs are actually the funniest nights you know yeah,
2: yeah. It, no but it's there. so soul destroying
1: though isn't it when you get there and you're like oh it's, it'll get busier will it and then, <laughs> so should we start and you're like that's fuck it yeah i suppose we're gonna have to won't we because yeah
0: this is shit no, Stuart, i'll tell you what's soul destroying yeah so our biggest gig on paper Yeah, allegedly, is our biggest gig and probably our worst gig we've ever played. We supported Baby Shambles, which is Pete Doherty's other band. We were the only support for them. Loads of people, sold out venue, and we get there. We drove all the way to South London, this secret venue. We're playing and stuff, and it's just all a crowd full of girls, 17-year-olds who are obsessed with Pete Doherty. And we're just like, they're just standing about a metre away from us behind the barrier all staring at us and it was just so nerve-wracking because there's nothing worse than being able to read someone's eyes and telling them that you think we're shit (laughs) and 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 then whilst that's going on Dan our bassist has gone rocking out and tripped over his amp and has fell over and just like completely hurt himself and our lead singer didn't even notice and I was in tears laughing (laughs) but our songs were quite difficult so like I'm trying to play and I could see our lead singer looking back like what the fuck's going on? <laughs> yeah. Oh man, it couldn't have gone worse. It was just the worst gig ever. But it was so strange to watch.
1: Go on, tell us then, so you talk to that point and being self-aware mm-hmm. of what's cool and what's not. So take it back a bit into like school and college. The, you know, our social circle at school. It wasn't a huge yeah. amount of people in school and I think actually, we said it before, I think us being in a band actually helped certainly me get less beaten up because we're in a band but actually... Did it no, really, you do you think it target. actually made a like, yeah, I know, but maybe like behind our backs, like I wondered, like, do you think that being in a band in our school was a good thing? Did it actually help our social status? Would it actually be like, no, you're fucking embarrassing?
0: In any other school, I think you guys would have been admired, but our school, man, come on. it was just like, <laughs> Yeah, it was in any
1: other I, I
0: admired you. I never took the piss out of you guys. I'm sure my mates did, who I hung around oh. with. Yeah, I was jealous of you guys, if anything. Like, um, man, it's cool to be in a band. But yeah, it wasn't cool to be in a band in <laughs> our school. Yeah, I mean, it was like Dangerous Minds, that
2: film, our school. It was terrible. <laughs> yeah. It was pretty ropey, wasn't it, for creativity. They didn't encourage it much, to put it that way. No, nothing at all. <laughs> it was like, if anyone was doing anything fun, it was like, you just got to bring you down, right. Like. He looks like he's having a good time. Uh, oh, yeah, let bring yeah. him down. Well, I still
0: struggle. I have to hang around with people from school who have that same mentality. <laughs> bring you down. Mentality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where like, they'll think doing this podcast is gay. Everything's <laughs> gay. <laughs> They're like, oh, you're doing a podcast. Oh, mate, that's gay. Who do you think you are? And it's like, oh, Matt. What was the most rebellious thing you reckon you did? Well, the most rebellious thing I did was an accident. When we were in Agile Beast, we got invited to a lot of random stuff because we had a band manager. And then when we got put in The Guardian, just for context, we got put in The Guardian paper as the number one unsigned band in London. We weren't, just the guy (laughs) writing the article had seen us and maybe 40 other bands. And we'd only been playing for three months and he put us in The Guardian as like number one unsigned band. So off the back of that, we got trolled hard because people went on our MySpace like, these are dog shit. Like (laughs) we've been playing for three months there's no way like we were actually good live energy live was really good but imagine the band playing for three months no way and we got invited to stuff we got invited to this rave at this rich kids mansion in sussex and it was amazing they had like a swimming pool that was like the playboy mansion like all caves and everything like that we were so out of place everyone's wearing cowboy hats skinny jeans shirts wide open And we were just like playing 1T, 1B on the field and stuff like that. But yeah, it was so weird. It's funny you had to get a glimpse into that stuff. Like acoustic bands all playing through the day. And in fact, I randomly closed the joint thinking I was a hero. I got on the drums and did a drum solo. It's embarrassing. I'm so glad there's no footage about from it. But in my head, I was like, God, I'm going to kiss so many girls after this. (laughs) No one spoke to me, but what I was going to say is, yeah, most rebellious thing I've done. So, in the middle of me dancing and stuff, there was a rave at this place. Oh, I was dancing. I've gone to pull. Port- oh my god, I need the toilet, and uh, he, he said, oh, but the-, because there was only one Port-A-Loo for four hundred little rich kids, so I had to go in the forest, and, and uh, yeah, it was a number two, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, but- and I was just so drunk that I completely forgot. Mm. Oh yeah, there's no toilet paper in the oh forest." My god. And uh, I've gone to Paul. Paul, please, I know you want to do me over here right now. Please go and get me some toilet paper. Uh, Honestly, there's no way I'm going out there smelling the poo. He's gone off to get me toilet paper. And the host of the day who was introducing all the bands was this crazy gimp in uh, all white leather. Gimp. (laughs) Yes. He's wearing white leather trousers in the middle of summer, white leather jacket. Paul's only come back with his leather jacket as toilet paper and i had to uh, oh man it's waterproof it's leather i said to him i remember at the time i was going that's waterproof <laughs> how the hell we're we gonna wipe my anyway yeah i had to use the white leather jacket Oh uh, God! yeah oh man we put it back and it was gone with i could just dread thinking because it was gone within five minutes
1: he must have found it and- <laughs> what has happened here what my memory, but that reminds me of a party, at least sixteenth birthday party. And there was about fifteen, twenty of us, and we were trying to be cool. But that's completely negated by we were just playing Chimera down again by Chimera on loop for the entire fucking night. Yeah. And it's like, how are there actually girls here? And we're thinking that's cool, but there's no like self awareness of being fucking geeks.
0: Yeah, I know. And you think really. you're so grown up and you know what's going on. You're so like deluded.
2: But that- I know. When you think back, some of the decisions you made, it's just so embarrassing. But Oh. Would you- I don't regret listening to Chimera at a party on loop. I don't regret that at all. So, okay. looking
1: back on, on a 16 year old, 17 year old, 18 year old Martin Gibbons, would you have any advice for him in terms of being in bands? We tend to carry on doing it, do it anything differently?
0: It wouldn't have mattered if I had advice for him because he wouldn't listen. listened. And it's, <laughs> it's the same with anyone at that age. Yeah, I would say um, don't do so many band practices because that was a waste of time. We did like three a week. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, we were tight, but I just like you end up hating each other. I'd say don't take it so seriously and just enjoy the hangout with your friends because that's the best bit.
1: All right then, folks, it's time for our next segment, which we call My Napster, where our guests share the one tune that transports them back to their glorious days of being in a band in school. We're building our sensational season one playlist on Spotify now, and they are all bangers. So, pressure's on here, mate. Martin, set the scene for us. Spill the beans on the track you've picked and why it holds a special place in your heart.
0: I haven't actually picked one yet. I've got about right, three or cool. four in my head, and right, now that you said you're going to make a Spotify, <laughs> no, I have. I've got. Don't worry, I've got songs ready. Now that you said, though, that you're putting it towards a Spotify playlist, I'm tempted to ruin that playlist, baby. <laughs> and just pick a shit one. No, it's so tough, isn't it? When we were in school, the actual main one that started getting us guys into new metal was actually the Limp Bizkit song for Missing Impossible. And then off the back of that, we found all their back album. Yep. Then when I got into Agile Beast and stuff, I'd say the thing that sent me on the journey was um, Arctic Monkeys' Bet You Look Good on the Dance Floor. But I don't want to pick that. Yeah, it's don't so do that. cliche. Don't do that. No. <laughs> nah. So I'm going to go with a Nirvana song, actually. Um, I'm going to go with Nirvana Drain You. Nice. When I heard that album, I knew I definitely wanted to play drums. So yeah, I'll That's go sick. with
2: Nirvana Drain You. That's a sick choice. Obviously. Our man, Kurt, I never saw him live, far too young. But there's this, have you heard this Elvana covers band? Have you heard of them? No, no, that. No. They are An Elvis slash Nirvana cover. He's basically an Elvis front man. He dresses up as Elvis, comes oh, out wow. dressed up as Elvis, and they play Nirvana songs. And then they did like Glastonbury, they do like big festivals and stuff, and they are fucking sick. And it's the closest I'm ever going to oh, get wow. to hear a bit of Nirvana music live. And man, it is banging. Yeah, Keep yeah. an eye out for oh, them. Oh man, I'll try and
1: go and see them. Yeah, well good.
2: Great choice, Drain You. Sure
1: totally. What were you? Do you remember listening to that on CDs? I think were we were on mini discs. No, it was probably still CDs at the time. Right?
0: Yeah, well, it's, well, CDs. I was only 11, and I'm 35 now. So I remember like listening to that, and I, like, obviously it smells like Teen Spirit in Bloom. I used to love territorial pistons and stuff, but for whatever reason, whenever Drain You come on, I was like, oh man, I feel happy. So, yeah. Yeah. So Drain You's the one. It's nice. cool, man.
1: Good choice.
2: So now it's time to finish the show now with our Would You Rather section. I'm sure you know how this game works, Martin. So let's get into the big question for you today, which we have tailored to your needs, my friend. Would you rather start every day the minute you wake up with an actual wall of death and 50 men run, running from two sides running straight into you every day when you wake up or have to wear a Craig David t-shirt every night you go out so that t-shirt has his face on but with the words, can you fill me in, big front and centre in the middle. Yeah, That's your yeah. choice. Classy, of death. really classy. I mean, you already got um, it, so you
0: might as well just choose that. <laughs> it's on the back. No, um, they're unanswerable. It's like hell versus hell. So, picking a hell. What would I rather? There's no way I'm wearing that T-shirt. There is <laughs> no way. Yeah, yeah, no, I'll go jujitsu now. It is a wall <laughs> of death. I'm like, brilliant, really, hard. <laughs> now I'll just wake up half an hour before and just stretch, and then yeah. <laughs> yeah, be ready
2: for it. Go for the Wall of Death. We might have to get some uh, Wall of Death footage up on the old Insta, mate. All, all the yeah, listeners need to know what we're talking about here. So it. great choice, Wall of Death. It is nice one, mate.
1: So that was Martin Gibbons' stories about being in a band in school. Lee, what were your highlights of
2: today? Yeah, yeah. Massive thanks to mine. Honestly, he did a lot more than I ever knew about. You know, we didn't stay in touch too much, did we, as we went off to uni. He was clearly a hearing up the Bedfordshire scene, but I particularly loved hearing about his mum getting him the complete opposite drum kit to what he asked for. That, I proper had me giggling. I just knew where it was going as well. Getting the shitty little Argos drum kit. Perfect. I love that. Yeah, no, I love that as well. I remember John,
1: our drummer at the time, had... A similar drum kit as well, and it was definitely like a, a phase, something that you had to go through when learning an instrument. Like you get a crap one, and that makes you understand how you can maximize that potential, and then go to the next level before you spend a load more money that you don't need to spend and everything. And it was cool. Yeah, I really, really remember that drum kit actually, and the band name yeah. as well. Like I completely forgot the name of his band in school's name, and the fact that it's made up from like the initials from their names is just so it's classic. It's right.
2: ridiculous. Yeah, Blism. Oh, they just like—I mean, as he said it, I was like, I remember that word. That was insane. Yeah, I'd complete completely forgot it. But he was so right
1: about being self aware and and everything. I'm not sure we were at the time, but hey.
2: No, I guess when he was as he got older, Agile Beast and stuff, he was a bit older, getting a bit more mature. Maybe he was a bit more grounded. But yeah, when we were like fifteen we were just like desperate to do something valuable. Quit the Sunday league team, join a band. And just play corncomers. That's all we did. (laughs) but we were safe mate we were safe so yeah that's a wrap for today's episode
1: of the Back in the Band podcast hope you've all enjoyed listening today we've got two more episodes in this season but hey no need to fret we'll be back real soon with two special guests and content that will make you wish you could still
2: buy your band hoodies outside Brixton Academy for only a tenner Tune in for the season one penultimate episode next time. We've got another cracking guest lined up. Massive thanks again to Martin for joining us on the pod today. And we're going to be wrapping up season one soon, as we said. So thanks for sticking with us, guys. It's been a great ride so far. See you next time.